Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List, and I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week on this show, we give you the lowdown on all the new comics that are coming out, tell you why we're so hyped about them so you can give us all your money, and then we can go dance around with said money. Uh, we're also going <laughs> to tell you about the stuff that is hitting our digital apps and the collections and all that good stuff. We always start the show by just, you know, like saying, hey, Tucker, hey. I haven't seen you in a couple days. I've been yeah. traveling. Yeah, yeah, Where you been? Uh, last few days, I've been on some secret missions, Ooh. doing some stuff uh, for things that are projected <laughs> upon screens. Mm. I say no more. Um, but this is uh, our episode that is coming out June 5th. Mm-hmm. So this week, uh, we're going to have X-Men Dark Phoenix hit theaters. Yeah. And the day before this episode, I will have hosted... The Please. live stream yeah. premiere yeah. of the film <laughs> alongside Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. I am just holding on by the seat of my pants as Lorraine does all the work, <laughs> and she is fabulous and amazing. The best. And, um, yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, I got to see the movie uh, a couple oh, weeks yeah. beforehand, and then, um, man, I've been movieing it up. Godzilla, man. and I saw Booksmart, oh, and yeah. uh, all kinds of movies. Nice. It's been good. Nice. Um, all right. We got to get into the books for this week because we got plenty and some really good ones. Let's start off with Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, number four. This is written by Vita Ayala, art by Herman Peralta, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Prison break! Yep, it's remember, happening. Remember that from that video that we did? Yeah, yeah, we did uh, that. So maybe. There's maybe a prison break in here. The inmates breakthrough in this issue. So we get um, something that's really cool. It's like a little, like a bottle of fizzy water. That someone you're shaking, you're shaking, you're shaking, you're shaking, you're shaking. That's like mm-hmm. the, the most of the issue. By the end, you gotta open it up yep. and you, you gotta deal with the repercussions. And there's going there's a shot of Bishop in here where he's like ready to see everything explode. The look on his face is just so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the the memory moments that we get, there's this like little snippet of people starting to like, oh, I remember how it's supposed to be. All this stuff. Yeah. It goes from really funny to tender to really badass, it's 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 rad. Yeah, yeah, totally awesome. I love that Bish guy. I love him. Up next is my first pick of the week, and it is Black Cat number one. This is a doozy. First off, I got to give a shout out to Nick Lowe and the editorial team because there are like 800 covers to this issue. Yeah. There's so much going on. It's really, really fun. But it is a massive book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. We're going to do a Black Cat book. That's great. I'm, I'm excited for it. And then you find out who the creative team is. So the main creative, Insane. It, yeah, the main Insane. creative team on this is written by Jed McKay, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Brian Reber, letters by Ferran Delgado. That is tremendous. Literally just like knowing that th- that group of creators was on this book, I could have told you that this is going to be one of our picks Literally the second it was announced, because yeah. I mean, I mean, Jed, uh, especially thinking about him, because he's kind of jumped onto the scene in a really big way in the last six months or so. I was so excited to see him, you know, take on this character. I'll be honest, I wasn't fully sure what to expect mm-hmm. out of it because a lot of the covers are a little bit more cheesecakey in some ways, which is that's what J. Scott Campbell does, and a lot huge help to selling the book and getting people, you know, they, that's what they love about, some people love about Black Cat, but mm-hmm. that that's not what this book is yeah. at all. I was actually with 
editor Nick Lowe before reading this. He was so proud of it. He was just like, I can't wait for people to pick this book up. Mm -hmm. And I, now I understand why. It's like a little bit of a flirty heist story, a little bit of like table setting for yeah. here's Black Cat, here's her status quo. Uh, this It's a squad book. So you get to see like who her crew is. But it's also, it's like, Possibly the most stylish and sexy, not lusty mm -hmm. kind of sexy, but just like, you know, when you say, ooh, that jacket is sexy. Ooh, right, like right. that pen is sexy. Like it just yeah. something about it's it. It's cool. It's smooth. It's like it's, stylish. It's awesome. It yeah. clicks in your yeah. brain. Um, it's it's the like the sexiest comic on the stands. And yes, as you mentioned, we've been singing Travel and Jed's praises for a while, most vocally when, you know, talking about their team-ups together. Obviously, they're great separate, but together... Man, and this might be their best pairing so far. I also want to give a shout out to Anthony Gambino, who's the production designer, because you look at like the the credits pages and stuff like that. There are certain elements in here that are specifically designed to evoke a style and a feel, and it has this, you know, fifties ish heist kind of mm -hmm. Ocean's Eleven y yeah. uh, Rankin Bass. All pulls in a whole bunch of different things. Uh, that that it really like I just loved it. I love love love, and part of that's from Anthony. So shout out to him. But all in all, you know the look of Felicia in here, her banter with the crew, the battles, the sense of pacing, the impact. I knew this was going to be great because of the team. I just didn't know exactly what to expect. But I didn't realize it was going to be one of my favorite issues of the year, mm -hmm. which it is. It is tremendous. And I told that to to Jed over on uh, on Twitter. And I asked him, please, come by Marvel. We want to talk Seriously. to you. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully that will happen. Yeah, calling it now, Jed McKay is going to take over the Marvel Universe. I want this on the record for <laughs> when he's all over the biggest characters and biggest books because it's, it's happening. Uh, it's starting right now. So good. All right. My first book this week is Captain Marvel number six. It's written by Kelly Thompson, another writer well on her way to taking over the Marvel Universe with guest art by Anna Paula Martello, colors by Tomer Bonvillain, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is uh, the first issue of the second arc here. It's called Strange Trip, and it is strange for multiple reasons. One being it's a really cool kind of, um, well, first of all, we have the Enchantress involved and some kind of undead figures that she's um, uh, kind of working with. But it's really awesome because we get, in this issue, we get Black Widow, we get uh, a little bit of Winter Soldier, uh, and we also have, of course, Doctor Strange, uh, and uh, that quickly becomes the makes this book the first of two body swap issues this week. Freaky Friday! <laughs> it's Freaky Friday here on the poll list. There's a really funny moment that I actually really love. It's like it, it, it's just something so specific to this kind of book, and Natasha meets up with Carol in hologram form, um, but she kind of wakes Carol up from sleeping. And immediately when she appears, Carol's like, uh, ghost or hologram? I like, I don't know which one this is. <laughs> it's so perfect because like, like only in a superhero book, is that like a legitimate question, especially considering like the Black Widow's recent past and everything is so, so funny. And that, that sums up Kelly's writing uh, on the whole. If you got Freaky Friday yeah. with Triple P, our perturbed producer, Persia, mm -hmm. what would you do? I would... I would get arrested very quickly because famously Triple P is a Krav Maga. What is it? No, it's a uh, karate kickboxing. Or kick, kickboxing. Uh, 
She she's a martial artist. Yeah. And um, yeah, when, I would find I would find a canvas upon which to showcase that art. And by canvas, I mean on some some unlucky dude on the street. <laughs> you want to throw those hands exactly. Like, like if you have registered weapons at your disposal, being boom, two it's feet, the gun show. Look at that gun! Yeah, look at <laughs> listeners. She just flexed so hard. Glass broke. It was tremendous. That was. Great. Yes. Yeah, I think that is I the do. best possible answer. Yeah. I love it. All right. We got to go to the next book, which is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History Number 4. It is co-written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti with art by Todd Nock, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Look, what you need to know is this. I would subtitle this issue, mm-hmm. Cosmic Ghost Rider, Nazi Hunter. Yep. Boom. Done. In. Give me more <laughs> of this. Most of the other issues in the series have seen... Cosmic Ghost Rider involved in in big events in Marvel characters' histories. Mm-hmm. You know, like Fantastic Four. There's a bunch of different moments that he shows up in. But this is primarily just CGR in World War II. And it's across the span of time, sure, but it is really just, like, very specific period. It's dope. It's, it's him as a member of the Howling Commandos having the best time. It's so fun. There's this great like, image Todd draws of... Uh, Frank, not as Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's just full on, like, regular Frank, long hair, like, whitish gray hair, grinning ear to ear while killing Nazis. He's, like, (laughs) just... He's basically in summer camp is the way he feels. And I get it. I love it. It's so fun. Also, we have... uh, We had Paul Shear on This Week in Marvel, uh, the most recent episode. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, we have a nice, meaty interview with with Paul. Awesome. Uh, Okay. My first pick of the week is on its way right now. That's a nice, gentle little one. This is Dead Man Logan, number eight. Um, I really, really, really like the structure of how this story is going because the first six issues of this 12-part series kind of took place in, you know, essentially the main Marvel Universe. It was about, uh, that was about kind of Old Man Logan leaving that all behind and then with last issue with issue number seven it was him entering this new world a new world that is an old world for him it is where he came from the wastelands uh he went back to where it all started uh so this issue continues that and we get to examine a a lot through his eyes it's really really interesting i think there's absolutely fantastic character work going on here from ed brisson who is, of course, the writer, um, because uh, I, I, th- I feel like we're really starting to get a ton of payoff with how much this Logan has grown. Because, you know, not only is he uh, Logan Howlett, like, just by his very nature. James Howlett. James Howlett. Get it right, AK, nerd. <laughs> uh, not only is he the most, like, naturally curmudgeonly kind of like go sit at the end of the bar by himself type of guy but it's old man version of that so he's like the most extreme version of everything that uh wolverine can be so what's really awesome about uh about what's going on here is now that he's back in the wastelands he's reconnecting with danny cage he's reconnecting with bruce banner jr we're seeing these kind of paternal instincts uh, influence him in a bigger way. We're seeing him maintain the core of uh, who he is, but uh, he also sees the end coming. He's going out on a limb. He's he's giving it. He's leaving it all out 
um, uh, on the field, so to speak. So to see those character moments drip in is really, really awesome. And uh, something that uh, when I interviewed uh, Mike Henderson, the artist, and Nolan Woodard, the colorist, and then, of course, I also have to mention uh, VC's Corey Pettit on letters. When I interviewed Mike and Nolan, it was really interesting to hear them talk about the using this this 12 issue finite story to craft a a narrative literally with the colors and the way that the issue is shaded the actual kind of subconscious influences that they build into the story as we reach further and further towards uh, the death of old man logan uh, is really interesting i'm really really feeling that in this issue especially I don't want to say too much about where where things end up, but like every time he takes he gets injured or something like that, I'm like I wince. I'm feeling it along with him because you know any blow could be the death blow at this point. He doesn't have the healing factor like he once did. It's all coming to a close, so those moments hit even harder. And um, I remember one of the things that Ed said when I when I talked to him before this this the issue number one of the series came out was like he wants by the end of the series people's issues to be ruined from tears like staining every single page and i'm i'm already starting to feel that start to churn and that start to come up so um i i just can't wait to see where this ends up uh yeah i think what they set out to do is absolutely coming home and uh they're just they're just crushing it uh up next is deadpool number 13 and it is a war of the realms tie-in written by scotty young illustrated and colored by nick klein lettered by jeff eckleberry and uh it is it's a lot of fun yeah. uh this one being a tie-in uh deadpool he's got to help out he's got to chip in where does he go he gets shipped off to australia of course he does Put another Deadpool on the Barbie. Yes. Uh, yes. We, Home run. Yeah. Uh, we see him and we meet some down under heroes, which is really fun here. Uh, we meet Nancy Nuke, who can turn almost anything into a nuclear bomb. Captain Outback, who's pretty strong, uh-huh. depend, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Uh, and then the Tasmanian Devil, a.k.a. Gene, who looks like a knockoff daredevil. Uh, it is super goofy. It's really wonderful. Uh, and they, they fight trolls in Australia. Yeah. Who did the cover on that? Nick, uh, The main cover? Yeah, the main cover. Nick Klein, I believe. Great cover. Love it. Okay, up next is Domino Hotshots number four. It's written by Gail Simone. Art by David Baldion and Michael Shelfer with inks by David Baldion, Michael Shelfer, and Craig Young. Colors by Jim Charlampetus and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. In this one, Domino and the gang, they they have to go after a dude who's been sort of like twisted up by Celestial. Hmm. Calling a technology is almost like not enough. Right. Like it, it, it is beyond technology. Yeah, yeah. It is so much more. And so he's he's got all the Celestial woo all around him. <laughs> uh, and it is, it's corrupted him. It's, this issue ends up being this like sad sweet story about power and corruption and temptation you focus on the friendship between domino and diamondback and outlaw and that is really over the course of the series really become one of my favorites in all of comics like their relationship really resonates uh it's just ladies who love and go to bat for each other no matter what it really stands out yeah um yesterday I was on uh, Twitter and I saw Gail Simone. She did a really fun thing where she 
like came up with this formula for 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 realizing what your Star Wars name would be. Okay, let me off the top of my head. Great. It was I think you reverse first of all, you reverse the order of your name. So it would be Panagos and then Ryan, but then you also uh get rid of the fourth letter of your last name and then cut off all letters after the sixth. And then you just reverse the order of your first name letters. And you also add a vowel at the end of the last name, which is the first name. So that's a lot to lay down. I have it in my mind. Let me try and do it for you. P-E-N-A. So Pengos. And then a random vowel. Pick up a random vowel. Uh, U. First name Pengosu. Nice. That actually sounds pretty Star Wars-y. Last name would be Nayer. Nayer. <laughs> N a y r, Pengosu Nayer, Nayeru, because you have to add. Oh, I see. I see yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pengosu Nayer. All right. We're gonna see him in the next trilogy. <laughs> uh, friends at Lucasfilm, uh, Matt and company. You can have that for free. Yeah, there we go. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on now to Guardians of the Galaxy Annual Number One. This is a collection of four different stories. I was really excited to see these uh, different creators jump on board and explore the Guardians corner of the universe. The first story is called Faith, and that's written by Donnie Cates with art by John McRae and colors by Mike Spicer. It's a one-page story, and it's about Cosmo the Space Dog. Well, it's not a one-page story. It is yes. a book. It is, it is the bookends to the story. Yes, yes, it yes. Is, is the beginning and the very end. John McRae is one of my favorite artists. I, yeah. I um, kind of – I, I, I expect I knew this was coming. I and love with good reason. John McRae did uh, a run of comics for a distinguished competition with my favorite Jack non Marvel Jack Kirby created yeah. character. That is, I think you would love it. Actually, mm. it is one of the most bizarre, twisted, funny. <laughs> John McRae's art is just so cool, and and ah, he's amazing. Yeah. The next story in here is called A Long Time in Politics, and that's written by Mr. Al Ewing with art by Yildirai Sinar and colors by Rain Barreto. Uh, this is really cool. I, I this, is, this is exactly what I'm talking about, why I was so excited to see these different creators jump on board and, and, and kind of touch these different characters because I just I want to see uh, I wanted to see an entire book, an entire series of Al Ewing writing Rich Rider. I mean, that's so cool. I th- just for some reason, I think tonally it makes perfect sense. How much do you know about Quasar? Not that much. Yeah. Quasar is, to me, really fascinating. He's, uh, I think I've used the term before, it's a wrestling term, a white meat baby face. Uh. He's just like your, your standard good guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, gosh, he's just going to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, but he's got such incredible power and he's they even they touch on it here and Rich is like, dude, your perspective is all wrong. You have brunch with Galactus. Right. Like you hang right. out with cosmic right. abstracts. They they're <laughs> like beyond comprehension. Your way of looking at things is so skewed. And there is a uh, late eighties, early nineties Quasar series, I believe written by Mark Grunwald, had early art by Greg Capullo. Mm. Um beautiful art and it has we we did a very famous homage cover to that Demi Moore, uh, I think it was Vanity Fair, where she's yep. nude and pregnant. Right, right, right. There's a cover of Quasar <laughs> pregnant on uh, with him there. I think that's like a Capullo cover, but it gets real weird. It like crosses over into what if stories. Huh. And it does some really fun stuff. 
that Quasar run is, uh, I think, highly underrated. Nice. And he's a cool character. I'm, I'm glad to see him here. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Al Ewing is the one to, oh, yeah. to bring him into the fold Dude. because he is as fluent as it gets in the Marvel Universe. So awesome to see that. Okay, the next story is Advent Horizon, and that's written by Teeny Howard uh, with art by Ibrahim Mustafa, colors by J. David Ramos. That one's really cool. I remember reading... Uh, Teeny was tweeting about this, I believe, when she wrote it because she was talking about writing Adam Warlock. Uh, and that's another thing that I just am dying to see. Uh, it's so cool. Uh, uh, I, I think, you know, especially having been reading uh, Teeny's uh, Belite story and like her ability to write this really commanding, really powerful um, character that, that can just take control at a moment's notice. Um, is really awesome. Obviously, there is an entirely different set of rules when it comes to Adam Warlock, but uh, that kind of raw spirit and like just fiery energy is right there. So cool, so confident, so bold, um, just really, really awesome stuff and gorgeous art. Uh, really, really love the way that that one looks. Uh, and then the fourth story in here is called You're Only Young Twice, and that is by... Uh, our friends Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler with art by Felipe Andrade and colors by Mike Spicer. Uh, that is another one. Again, I, I, you know, with all the work that those guys have been doing in the age of X-Men, uh, kind of being the architects of that world, I just want to see them play in every different uh, uh, corner of the Marvel Universe. In this case, a more cosmic angle. The letters all the way through are by VCs Court Pettit. Uh, like you mentioned, wraps up with uh, our friend Cosmo and Donnie writing uh, the bookend. But uh, yeah, really, really cool annual there. Yeah, it is like my favorite kind of annual where it has a whole bunch of stories. It actually moves a ton of stuff forward for the main book. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to read it. But if you do and you are a regular Guardians of the Galaxy reader, you're like, whoa. But it also stands on its own. So yeah. if you're not reading Guardians and you just like these characters, like if you're a Darkhawk person or an Adam Warlock or, you know, whatever, you can pick this up and go, oh, yeah, it stand, so it's, it's really great. It was nearly one of my picks. All right. Up next is Incredible Hulk Last Call number one. This is written by Peter David, pencils by Dale Keown, inks by Mark Farmer, Mark Deering, Walden Wong, and Scott Hanna, colors by Peter Steigerwald with John Starr, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Now – I want to give some background for this because Peter and Dale, they did nearly 30 issues of Incredible Hulk mm. together back in the 90s. And this is part of a series of comics we're doing for our 80th anniversary where we bring famed creative teams back together to do a story with the character that you know they worked on so, so well together. This one is intense. It is, mm -hmm. It's a heavy, heavy story. It's set a while back after Betty was believed to be dead. Uh, she might have actually been dead. I can't remember the circumstances. People yeah. die. People come back. Yeah. Marvel. Um, but Bruce was – he was overloaded by grief and by guilt. So, you know, s suicidal thoughts are a big part of what he was dealing with. And that's a big part of what the story is about uh, and, and how he tries to figure out his own grief and, and state of being and, and – what it means for him to be alive when he's involved in the death of the woman he loves. Yeah. I, I also loved the specter of the Hulk being here. It's yeah. kind of just, it's literally physically there and Bruce can see it and it's kind of hanging over everything, all of his interactions. And it's, 
Uh, I just think it's a really cool visual way to to show that dynamic. Yeah. Uh, if you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please know that there are people out there who want to help. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline can be called at 1-800-273-8255 or at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Uh, the story, it, it is sad and it is gorgeously rendered and shows that even the strongest there is can ask for and receive help. Uh, okay. Uh, my next book is Marvel Team-Up, number three. This is the second of our body swap issues. Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday. Uh, like I said, let me reiterate, it's Freaky Friday here at the list. Um, <laughs> this issue is written by Eve L. Ewing with art by Joey Vasquez with Moy R. Colors by Felipe Sobrero and letters in production by VCs Clayton Cowles. I'm just continuously impressed by Eve L. Ewing's writing. I just think she's got Every single tool in the tool belt, I think she can do it all. She can do the big superhero stuff. She can do the the fun tech sci-fi stuff. We've seen that in her Riri book. She can hit every single note. Uh, and in this one, I, I really loved, uh, you know, kind of the emotional uh, moments because uh, in here we have Kamal Khan and Peter Parker. They have uh, switched bodies. The last issue, we got to see them running around town kind of... Uh, dealing with that in a lot of dramatic but a lot of really fun ways peter interacting with kamala's family is like one of the highlights for me thinking back on that one uh but the kind of body swap we were joking about it but i think it why why it's a great kind of classic storytelling trope is because it it allows for introspection in a really new way it allows for self-awareness in a really interesting way and i think that's some of what I'm feeling here, and, and I think it totally works because it's, um, you know, these characters that, uh, you know, are struggling with their identity in different ways with, you know, who they are with uh, being able to see themselves phys- physically, to see themselves and what role they play while also kind of in, in crisis mode themselves at the same time in a body that's not theirs. It's all great. Uh, really, really, really nice issue. Agreed. Yeah. You know what else is great? Your yeah. next book. Oh, yeah. My next book is my second pick of the week, and it is Meet the Scrolls number five. It's the conclusion to this limited series, and it is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Nico Henry Schoen, uh, color assists by Lauren Grossat, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Talk about a dark story. Oof. Uh, you know, I think... It, it is so artfully done, this tale. Uh, it is, I, I, I'm kind of baffled by it because in just five issues, it feels like, it really feels like a journey. It really feels like you've gotten to know this family, uh, in quotes. You've gotten to see their kind of, obviously their mission on Earth as scrolls, what they're here for, what they kind of, are nominally all about, but then also their like amazing interiority, the the interior exploration of this family dynamic, the interior exploration of what these characters struggle with. It's something that um, I think pairs really nicely, having just uh, come off the back of Marvel Team up there. The measured way that this story has been told, the quiet moments that this story has, 
actually make it feel more, uh, you know, more robust and rich in, in all of those ways because you have those moments where it's quiet, you have some time to think alongside these characters, uh, and it just, like you said, it adds to the tension, it adds to the, the, the relationships uh, all around. I think this is just great storytelling from the entire creative team, really, really admirable work uh, across the board. Yeah, it also, to me, is a great indicator of what Robbie like what kind of writer Robbie is because he is a great comic book writer but he is also a great writer for screen Mm. um, having spent years and still currently also writes in in on various TV shows and I think movies in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and this is sort of a mix between both it feels like a great film or television show but also feels like a great comic book yeah and that's a hard balance to do, mm-hmm. to make sure you, you don't put one over the other, but you feel the elements of both. That's Robbie just when then working with Nico, who understands visual storytelling mm-hmm. like so much. Oh, so great. Yeah. All right. Up next is Old Man Quill, number six. This is written by Ethan Sachs, art by Ibrahim Roberson, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, the Guardians... They have a hell of a tough time. They're going against Pulsar. Pulsar, mm-hmm. he's a member of the Imperial Guard. I, It's fun. I love the Imperial Guard so much, and it's great because Pulsar is just one dude. The Imperial Guard are kind of like space version of a super team, but they all have elevated strength and speed. Like They're mm-hmm. all kind of plussed up yeah. and then have specialties. Right. Uh, their main guy is uh, essentially like Hyperion. You know, <laughs> like can do all those things. Uh-huh. It's just wild. That Imperial Guard is fascinating. Go read some X-Men with the Imperial Guard if you've never. <laughs> um, but I hate them here because one, they're scary religious space fanatics and they also murder one of my favorite characters in mm. this issue. Um, but you know, they're scary cool. Uh, there's an incredible reveal right at the end. I was not expecting it. Can't wait for more. Totally. Uh, okay, next up we have Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, number nine. And it is written by Seanan McGuire with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This issue actually really reminded me of you might be able to nail down the issue number precisely. I think it's either Amazing Spider-Man number 29 or maybe 30 or 33. It is the building coming down. 33. 33. Um, I think. Yeah. Now I'm questioning myself. (laughs) It's in there. We'll get a verdict on that uh, in a second. But it actually really reminded me of that because, well, first of all, I mean, it literally starts with Gwen kind of amidst rubble. Um, That's something that is uh, kind of reminded me of it. But it's also like, it's 33. Nice. Uh, Issue 33 of Major Spider-Man. But um, so that's like an iconic issue in Spider-Man history. And that's like such a a great classic dichotomy of like hero and personal story because Spidey has like this whole thing and she there's literally a building crashing down on him and he almost dies then he has to like go and he visits Aunt May in the hospital who's really sick and that's something that happens and and is mirrored in, in some fun ways here I don't know if that's intentional I don't know if it's not but it's that in of course like the great 
Spider-Gwen tone and with the Spider-Gwen take on things. And I think part of that uh, crucially is the visuals. I think part of that crucially is the colors by Ian Herring um, and uh, how it kind of it replicates the, the classic Spider-Gwen uh, book kind of look in a great way, but it also, uh, you know, feels totally right, totally modern uh, in every single way. Uh, and, you know, Shannon, we love Shannon. She's uh, just uh, spectacular, and I think it has that crackling energy all the way through. Great stuff. Shannon and I were texting about the little monsters subgenre of horror films that we are both <laughs> fans of. Ghoulies, yeah, yeah, Gremlins, okay, yes. Critters. I would even put uh, Puppet Master's Puppets right. into that uh, <laughs> genre. Some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's real good. Um, up next is Savage Avengers number two. Alphabetically, we done screwed up, but it don't matter because we're just talking about great comics. Savage Avengers number two, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Coolin' Goth. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so... Coolangoth is a fascinating villain that I won't dive into that much here because I want everyone to listen to This Week in Marvel, episode 397, the episode coming out the same week as this, our June 7th episode. And so I dive into who and what Coolangoth is, where you may have seen him before, uh, various comics, his enemies. Uh, may have a special guest to chat with me about Coolan, but it's going to be really cool. Mm. Mm. You see, I did that. That's a Lorraine-style yeah. pun. I'm into that. Yep. But anyway, we know he's in this along with uh, there's this nasty Nazi who he becomes uh, – Kulan helps him, this Nazi dude, become the priest of sickles. It's really gnarly. So he's a Nazi and a sadistic evil demon priest who's trying to bring a death demon god to Earth. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, it all <laughs> checks out. Uh, James Monroe Iglehart, the new co-host for This Week of Marvel, read Savage Avengers number one, uh, and he was he was in the office the other day, and he was like, he was kind of pissed about what happened to Voodoo. And hey. he's like, yo, what's happened? What, what did you do to Voodoo? I was like, dude, to James, to everybody else, don't sweat it. In this issue, Voodoo gets help from Wolverine. Um, then they team up in one wildly great splash page. Uh, that Diodato art, man. Woo-wee! Uh, the book is like what you would imagine an 80s action movie version of the Avengers could be, mm-hmm. but with Conan. And then, you know, it's just blood and violence and weird dark magic and the Punisher about to go completely berserker rage mode because the bad guys stole the remains of his family from their graves. Yeah. That is a th- like, <laughs> that, is the, that is a line you should not cross. <laughs> and they did it. And he gets, it's just about to go down. It's like, this is the point where let the bodies hit the floor plays. And then he just starts coming out and like, it's over. Yeah. That's so dope. I love this book. Yeah, so good. Definite uh, Temple of Doom vibes of that, which is awesome. Okay, next up is Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Luke Skywalker, number one with uh, uh, the story is written by uh, Greg Pak with art by Chris Sprouse, Scott Koblish, and Stefano Landini, inks by Carl Story and Mark Deering, colors by Tom Rubon-Lane, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. What uh, Greg said he set out to do with each of these one-shot issues was tell a story that gets to the core of each character. We've seen that with Lando. We've seen that with Leia. uh, We've seen that with uh, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> nice. Now we're, we're getting to see that with, with Luke. It's really cool 
um, kind of Return of the Jedi era Luke Skywalker. We have Vader. We have the Emperor involved in this story. Really, really, really cool. I get like like secondhand joy off of knowing how much fun Greg is having writing these characters. Um, uh, He was giddy when I saw him at the red carpet for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. Like (laughs) he was like giggling the whole time I was talking to him. The best. Um, What I really, really, what kind of struck me about this uh, issue? I mean, one we get to see kind of Jedi Luke, and we also get to see kind of pilot Luke. But what really struck me here is that. There's a, a very kind of uh, sh- shockingly specific tone to Luke Skywalker, I think. One that you wouldn't quite expect for a hero of a story like this. One that, uh, you know, a character that just by necessity has so much kind of plot lifting to do. Oftentimes, you know, that's why characters like Han or Leia or Vader get to really excel character-wise or become people's fan favorites because they get to you know, be, you know, be much more idiosyncratic or whatever. But there is still a very specific tone to this character, I think, which is it's kind of, especially this era of Luke Skywalker, who's been through so much. It is... Uh, He's like Jedi Knight. Exactly. Black, all in black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with his second, with his, you know, his first, but, you know, with his green lightsaber. Um, and it's, it, it is, it's something dutiful. It's, it's solemn, but it's also caring and loving. But it still has the eyes on the horizon, kind of that kind of starry-eyed look about him all the way through. I think it just nailed that uh, feeling, and um, uh, yeah, just another reason to be even more excited for when Greg jumps on the main Star Wars series. Yeah, when you said story lifting, story lifter yes. type character, I just imagine someone else being like, "Dude, you look so..." Well, no, you plot. You said plot lifting. Yeah, yeah, a plot lifter. And then someone be like, dude, you look so story swole. <laughs> you know who's story swole? Triple P. <laughs> That's right. Super I don't know what swole. kind of stories, but. <laughs> uh, all right. Up next is Tony Stark, Iron Man number 12. Look, Iron Man versus a dragon. That's Whoa. all you need to know. Uh, it is written by Gail Simone, art by Paolo Vanelli, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, yeah, this is a War of the Realms tie-in, but it's kind of set just before the invasion that happens in War of the Realms number one. Malekith goes and he recruits a gold-loving, angry, massive dragon to deal with Iron Man because, da-da-da, elves are weak to iron. It all makes sense. It all pans out. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail, she does such a great job. She fits right in uh, with picking up the beats of, of the mess that Stark's life and relationships have been in the, the wake of all the escape stuff. She also does all that while nailing the pithy quips and the references and the that like tone of uh, Iron Man these days. Uh, also, did I mention a dragon? Yeah. Because there's a dragon. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, my penultimate book is Uncanny X-Men number 19. It's written by Mr. Matthew Rosenberg with pencils by Carlos Villa. Carlos Gomez and Bob Quinn, inks by Juan Velasco, Adriano Di Benedetto, Michelle Delecki, Carlos Gomez and Bob Quinn, colors by Guru EFX and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. You know, knowing what's on the way in the world of the X-Men, knowing that House of X and Powers of Ten are coming later this summer, it's been even more fascinating for me personally to see uh, what areas Matt takes this story where uh, Uncanny X-Men starts to uh, explore. Uh, and obviously there's been so much in the last 18 issues, Matt having written the last 
eight and now nine with this one. But it's really cool here because I feel like it's it's like starting to be like blow it up time because we've explored some really solemn areas. We've had character deaths. We've had quiet moments. We've, of course, had awesome action all the way through. But this one, we have uh, the Hellfire Club. We have Emma Frost. We have, um, of, uh, of course, the, the the Black King, and then we have a few other villains that come into the story uh, in this issue as well, which is super exciting. It, it just feels like, all right, throw, take all the toys uh, out of the toy box and just throw them together kind of stuff. Really, really, really cool. And, of course, Matt crushes it. Really, really fun roller coaster, kind of nonstop action, nonstop goodness. For a man who genuinely loves the X-Men, mm-hmm. like loves the yeah. X-Men, he does horrible things yeah. to the X-Men. Yeah, he does. Just that, it's a heartbreaker. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next is my second pick of the week, and it is War of the Realms number five. Whoa, daddy. Whoa. Uh, this is chapter five, quote, the world tree is burning. It's written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Russell Dodderman, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Man, almost every page of this book has a huge character moment, a huge action moment, a huge dialogue moment. It is relentless without being tiring, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is an important thing to say. I don't want you to feel like it's so much, but it's because this is such an all-encompassing story, it is able to go from scene to scene to character to character to bit to bit without like without getting confusing without yeah. slowing down without being too much man there's uh some of the great moments there's one early on with the Dora Milaje uh Koye flanked by Sif Angela and Hildegard of Asgard and they face off against the angels of heaven Koye says quote there is no word for grovel in our language, but there are 23 different words for fight. <laughs> and you are about to hear them all. Welcome to Wakanda. And it's just like this. <laughs> I was going to curse because yeah. I get so fired up <laughs> when I start talking about this book. It gets me so happy. It's so excited. The scope is so massive. You go from literally the surface of the sun to old Asgard to Stonehenge to Wakanda to New York, all around the world. It's like if you took that big battle from Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame and then spread it everywhere and made it even <laughs> bigger and more, that's what War of the Realms is. That's where we are in this book. You got the Punisher uh, alongside his uh, brigade of light elves firing vibranium bullets. You've got Baldur the Brave driving Ghost Rider's Hell Charger while Doctor Strange leans out the passenger window Chopping undead warriors in half with a massive axe. <laughs> Jane Foster and Roz Solomon fighting side by side against a Minotaur Dario Agar. You've got Wolverine subbing himself into the Warriors 3 for Volstag. And uh, Fandral's like, can we keep him? It's <laughs> rad. You've got the Fantastic Four versus Laufey. Thori and Bats teaming up against witches. <laughs> it is Everything you've, you've asked for. This is, it's all happening. It's all here. And, of course, Thor flying through a frost giant's head. Literally <laughs> right through it. The most crucial stuff, though, comes in the last few pages. With Thor, Malekith, Odin, Freya, Jane Foster, and the big setup for the final battle. It is gorgeous. The colors. The first page has this 
uh, image of Daredevil, the God without fear. And it's just the, the shot of Daredevil's face. It's just so captivating and it's on. It's, this is the best event book of all time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what could possibly yeah. top it. It is so fantastic. I am so happy and proud. Yeah. I, I, reading that book, you know, we read every issue every week. We have to get invested in every single story. But it's so funny. When I was reading that, I was just like, it's such a reminder and enough, taking nothing away from every other book we read. But it is like shocking how next level that book is. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Other War of the Realms action is on the way in War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number four, which is written by the McElroys, drawn by Andre Lima Araujo, colored by Chris O'Halloran, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is, of course, the big, uh, fun, really different, really great team-up book. We have Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Hawkeye, Death Locket, uh, Wonder Man, uh, Sebastian Druid, Thori, uh, they're all teamed up. They're taking care of uh, a little itty bitty baby on behalf of Lady Freya. Uh, kind of all in this great big super action packed chess match with uh, Cinder. It is really fun. Um, I've said it before. I love the team vibe in here. Like this book feel this book is really great because it feels simultaneously like War of the Realms, but it also kind of feels like Runaways um, mm. because it's like this great, there are like these really great, adorable, fun, family-feeling moments. Um, and, uh, you know, may, I think maybe that comes straight out of the McElroys, you know, themselves being a family and being able to generate that kind of uh, spirit throughout this book. There's great art, so much of it going down, uh, really, really good stuff. This is the penultimate issue, so excited to see where it lands. All right. Last book of the week for us is War of the Realms, New Agents of Atlas, number three, written by Greg Pak, drawn by Gang Hyuk Lim, colored by Federico Blee, Andres Mosa, and Eric Arciniega, lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. Whew. Love this book. The Phenomenon. Yeah. Greg and crew, they're doing a few key things here. They remind us that Shang-Chi is the dopest. He schools a god at one point. Uh, also a character I wish we would see more of, the Monkey King, uh, <laughs> who's just super cool. I love the legend of the Monkey King, uh, just in, in like actual legend and, and the story and like all the iterations. Mm. But we have our own. We need to see <laughs> Monkey King more. It makes me happy. They remind us that good food brings everyone together. There's a scene here where the whole crew is cranky and they're hungry and they're hangry and they find some spam, which they turn into a feast. Yeah. And it's just a great moment where someone's like, oh, they got spam here. And then like five of the characters are like, spam? It's <laughs> like when you grow up on spam, when it's part of your culture, yeah. when it's part of like what you eat, it's, it, it's great. Um, and, uh, you know, finally, they remind us that our array of Asian characters is bigger and cooler than most people realize mm -hmm. like it, it is so expansive oh and also that greg writes the best amadeus show yeah like yeah he's the guy who created him but like he just there's something right yeah every time you, you he, he's there uh i want this book to go on forever i need jimmy Wu hanging out with shang chi and luna snow and silk and man it's just so dope the big showdown with cinder is coming up next issue it's fantastic it is definitely a book you should be reading Nice. Okay, those are the single issues on sale 
for June 5th, but collections coming your way include Adventures of Spider-Man Volume 1, Sinister Intentions, Avengers by Jason Aaron, Volume 3, War of the Vampires, Captain America, Evolutions of a Living Legend, Cloak and Dagger, Agony and Ecstasy, Daredevil Epic Collection, Purgatory and Paradise, Marvel Knights Punisher by Garth Ennis, The Complete Collection, Volume 3, Marvel Superhero Adventures, Spider-Man, Solo, A Star Wars Story Adaptation, Spider-Man, Far From Home Prelude, and The Marvel Art of Scotty Young. I I really hope we put out a... Well, no. I, I don't get the hardcovers that we, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. publish. I get all the soft covers, so I don't get a free copy of The Marvel Art of Scotty Young, which means I'm going to have to go out and buy <laughs> a copy of The Marvel Art of Scotty Young because the book is really, really cool. It's like... Uh, it, it it's it's got all kinds of process stuff and and look at his history here at Marvel. It's really cool. If you're a Scotty fan, you gotta get it. Nice. Uh, all right, on to Marvel Unlimited. Uh, there's there's a bunch of books. Ironheart number one. So if you haven't checked that book out yet, you can get it. It's on Marvel Unlimited. Return of Wolverine. There's an issue in there, but some classic stuff include Speedball from the 80s, Web of Spider-Man, uh, an issue in there, a bunch of fill-in issues of Wolverine, which are really good. I'm glad to see those. And some uh, later issues of Defenders, which is cool. I, th- I hope some of them include one of the weirdest characters we have, Cloud. Cloud. I'm not going to say anything more about <laughs> Cloud. I love Cloud. I love Weird Defenders is great. Yeah. It's real fun. Nice. Cool. That wraps it up. We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Show them guns again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) 